we are at the end of the Christian year. Next Sunday, we get to Advent, a new beginning, a new time starting again. But for now, we're still in an autumn, perhaps heading for winter. Yesterday afternoon, it was definitely autumn. I was walking the dog, and the mud went everywhere. You know, it, it was caked on at the bottom of the trousers, but there were splatters all the way up the leg. You know, it has been a wet month. Dry days now and again, the odd sunny one perhaps but wet, grey, and even with a tiny bit of moisture in the air, there becomes a growth in the amount on the ground. We're fortunate that we've not had the floodings that have been seen elsewhere in the country, but across the whole nation, the, the ground is getting waterlogged. It's getting thick. And that means I get a bit dischuffed about the state of my trousers. My Labrador, on the other hand, is loving it. He runs as fast as he can through the muddy puddles. It's a season of weather. A season of time. And it will change, fortunately. But Jesus tells us in the passage, there will be seasons. In autumn, we look at the trees and go, what color are they? And there's every color imaginable. Some are still green. Some are lovely golden colors. Some are brown, some have lost their leaves. And Jesus says there's got to be green trees and there's times when they're dry. But he wasn't speaking of spring and autumn. Not in the meteorological sense anyway. But in the understanding of what is happening in our lives, how there can be times that are green and lush, times of new growth, and times when there can seem to be barrenness. And at the time of his crucifixion, for the Roman Empire, it was a time of green. There was a, a not only the season of spring that we associate with Easter time, it being March or April in our calendar, but it's a, a springtime for the Romans because they've expanded, they've grown, 
grown throughout Europe and even beyond. The empire has spread. And it's still that time of the empire's strength. And a time when any insurrection could easily be put down. Somebody like Barabbas could easily be put in jail. Anyone who causes trouble could soon be trampled on. And it's this strength and misuse of strength that our Lord refers to in verse 31. If the tree is green, if it's a time when the empire is not at risk, if it's generally a time of peace, if there's no fighting by revolutionaries, yet an innocent man like Jesus is taken to the cross, then what will it be like in the times when it is dry, when the leaves are falling from the trees and the Roman Empire is in fear of collapse? What will it be like then? When society begins to fail, when it's a tinderbox, dry and a spark could set it ablaze. How awful for the young men it would be. Even as he journeys to the cross, Jesus is thinking of others. How awful for the young men who, although without fault, would be punished randomly. Drawn out of the crowd, perhaps, like Simon of Cyrene. Forced to carry the cross. But later others would be tortured and killed. How awful for society. How dreadful for a mother to see such a thing happen to their son. They will wish that the children were never born. When the powerful express their strength against the powerless, where is the righteousness and where is the justice? It has been lost to greed. And that was where the culture was. And perhaps at times that's not so different from today. There was among the people a sense of freedom to do as they wish and also populism. The crowds going to John the Baptist the cheering on on Palm Sunday as Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. The free and easy attitude in the temple courts with money changers and trading. And of course, the calling out for the freeing of Barabbas while Jesus is condemned to death. 
also uh, a sense of crowds that are easily moved about in large numbers. And while we might commend them for going to see John the Baptist or delight in their waving of palm branches, laying down of cloaks, we remember that there were many more on the banks of the Jordan than were baptized into repentance. We remember that although there's crowds cheering for the son of David and delighting in his teaching and miracles, within a week they've disappeared. Pilate had the power to set Jesus free, but instead engages in a referendum. He knows there's no fault in Jesus, but he listens to the crowd. People, including rulers, are fickle. And where there can be complexity of decisions, we sometimes choose the option that seems the easiest, the one that's good for us in the short term. We don't dig deeper into the long-term consequences. When the going gets tough, it's human nature to find an easier route for ourselves. Maybe one not so muddy. But what if that actually takes us in the wrong direction? As manifestos get produced for the political parties, they announce their ideas, they put their spin, they say this is the direction for the country. And within each manifesto, there are probably things we like. Things that are providing for the good of all. But at the same time, there's probably things in there that we don't. There's the factor, too, that politicians often want the quick fix. They're up for election again, another five years, maybe even shorter. And so they need to respond to the crowd rather than necessarily doing what is good, what is right, what is proper, what is just. And governments are also guilty of saying, well, it was in the manifesto, so we have a mandate. But of course, the voters, you and I, might not have read it the fine-tooth comb or a magnifying glass. And so we might not agree with everything in there. We have to think differently. And the cross of Jesus must bring us to a new way of thinking, a new way of responding not for the benefit of ourselves or even for the benefit of others who happen to be like us. 
but we have to be serving in a way that honors God first and foremost, even when it costs us dearly. At Golgotha, there is a mocking crowd. Save yourself! Comes from their lips. And it comes from the lips of a criminal too. And in that call out, in that suggestion, go, save yourself. There's that sense of, if you're the Messiah, if you're the Christ, and it maybe takes us back to thoughts of the devil's taunting in the wilderness. Come down from the place where you've been lifted up. Just step off. The angels will save you. The other criminal adds to the call, but with a cry of salvation. A confession of sin and one of faith. He recognizes the situation of his life, that he is where he is because life has brought him there, the decisions he has made. We are punished justly, he declares. And Christ responds in love. Jesus responds, instead of saving himself, he offers that we can be saved through his death on the cross. We deserve the punishment. But he has saved us. A new season begins at the crucifixion. A new season. One of a a new way of life under a different sort of king. A king who doesn't lord it over others, but a king who is a servant. And there is a new understanding of kingdom too. There's a kingdom that doesn't grow by threat of violence, with spear, with sword. It's not growing through conquering lands by the shedding of those inhabitants' blood. But it grows by the blood of Jesus. How sins are forgiven. And your life received. It's not about being dragged from the crowds to carry a cross, but about choosing to join Jesus on his walk. And it's not about hoarding wealth or keeping it only for one community, but seeing that love and mercy flow to all in streams of righteousness.
So, may we in this season, for all its mud, for all the struggles we may have, may we choose to be citizens of Christ's kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, whatever challenge we face, whatever difficulty, may we always be yours. May we know the coming of your kingdom and may we be agents of change that speak your truth and declare your great love for all. Amen.